Today's guest is a surfer. He's a philosophy professor at Boston College, and in his spare time, he likes to write over 70 books. Aloha. From the sandy beaches of Hawaii comes a wave of God's love and the challenge to go deeper. Paddle out with us and experience the thrills of the radical plan God has for your life. It's Deep Adventure Radio with your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. Aloha, this is Bear Wozniak with Deep Adventure Radio. We have a, just a great guest with us today. He's one of my heroes in the faith. I've been wanting to interview him forever, and uh, we finally got our great chance. We have Professor Peter Kreeft. I would say that I've probably read a dozen of his books, uh, and I listen to his lectures. There's the Great Scholar si- series on uh, that um, Amazon has. I've listened to probably well over 100 hours of his lectures. He's a professor uh, at Boston College and also at King's College, uh, which is uh, actually in the Empire State Building. Uh, through him, I learned uh, uh, about Socrates and Aristotle and Plato. I'd read their books, but I really had difficulty kind of getting traction with them. And uh, I also learned a great deal of, uh, from Professor Kreeft on Thomas Aquinas. Uh, I've read through his Summa Theologia once, and I'm li- reading it through again. Uh, I've read through parts of it many times. and uh, But it's great to have him kind of explain to us some of the language. Some of the language in there is a little bit unique and needs to be kind of updated. But Professor Kreeft has a great way of making very deep things, uh, very simple things. And so uh, for people like me, that's a great help. And so I'm so thankful to have him with us today. I wanted to acknowledge today you, our audience, uh, making our show such a great success. Uh, We have an ability now for you to go online to our website, deepadventure.com, and you'll see a spot there where it says "Leave leave a voice message. If you'd like to have your thought or your questions aired on our radio show, since we're recorded, the only way we can really do this is by using that technique. So you can go to our website, deepadventure.com, and record a message for us to to play on our station, something that we can comment on or a question that you might have. So we'd love to have your participation in that area. New radio stations are coming on board, uh, a lot of new ones here in September. But the ones that are on board now, we have stations now in uh, Honolulu. We have a station in St. Petersburg, Florida. We have a station in Naples, Florida. We have a station in Melbourne, Florida. We have a station up in Saginaw, Michigan. Uh, And we have a station, I believe it's in Ann Arbor, Michigan. So we're bringing up new stations, and we want to thank our new listeners uh, for uh, asking your stations to to carry our show. EWTN Network, which is my favorite network, because they do such a great job of sifting and testing and making sure that the content that is aired on their show is is solid Christian content. And they've picked up our, our, our show, and there are 250 radio stations on that network. And so we're going to see little by little more and more of the EDABTN family uh, begin to pick up our station, some of their affiliates. And so we want to thank you guys and ask you to continue to pray for this ministry uh, and go to our website. We have great things that we can share with you that you can use in this new evangelization you know, on our show, we have these Surf's Up segments, and that's where we have guests, pe- people that may not even have been on our show as, as interview guests. I find uh, interesting people here and there, and I'll have them call in, and we'll record a two-minute 
segment that, uh, like we've had Daniel Markham on a few times, he, uh, when he's out on his Harley rides, uh, he may come up with a thought and call in and, and give us a, give us a kind of a thought, uh, a provoking experience that he had. And so those are available to you on our website. You can uh, click on those and share those uh, with your friends. And they're just a great evangelistic tool because a lot of times people don't want to read something, but they love to listen. And so those Surf's Up segments are great for the new evangelization. We also share those on our fan page. And I think we've kind of neglected to let people know that we have a Deep Adventure Ministries fan page on Facebook. And you can go there and you can... uh, uh, you'll see our postings, and you can just easily just share those and post those uh, with your friends. We also will notify you there when our shows, after our shows are aired by the radio stations, we actually post them up to Blog Talk Radio. So if you want to, you can listen to our shows anytime uh, on your computer. And then once we then we also post it up to the iTunes podcast platform. So if you're at the gym working out, you've got your earbuds in or running down the beach, you can listen to any one of our shows at any time, including things like our Surf's Up segments. We also have our Deep Virtue segments. Those are my two-minute segments where I kind of give an example of maybe an encounter with a shark or something like that, and I'll share what you know we can use, uh, what we can learn from that. Those are two-minute segments. Those we post on our website also, and you can share them. You can email them. You can put them on Twitter. Uh, all, of our, all of our posts that we do, including our shows, uh, we, we tweet. So you can follow us on Twitter at Bear Wozniak. That's B-E-A-R, and my last name is W-O-Z-N-I-C-K. And you can follow us on Pinterest also. So we want to let you know we make these all available to you so that you can use them, so that you can listen to them. I was a wedding at a wedding yesterday, and a woman from New Jersey um, uh, was saying how she just loves to listen to our, our postings, whether the, the two-minute postings or the hour-long show. We want to ask you to go there, take advantage of it, and you know what? Be a team rider. Be part of the Deep Adventure team. Get engaged with us. We would love to get to know you better. You can contact us there, too, if you want us to speak at, your, at one of your conferences. So this is Bear Wozniak. We're going to be right back with my one of my heroes, Peter Kreeft, uh, in just a few moments. Deep Adventure Radio, where the surf is always up. Are people challenging your faith? Do you wish you knew how to explain it better? Well, then tune in to hear Father Mitch Pacwa and his guests setting the record straight on all matters faith and reason. Next time on EWTN Live, only on EWTN. EWTN Live with Father Mitch Pacwa is seen and heard around the world. For dates and times in your area, log on to EWTN.com. Deep Adventure Radio has challenged you to accept the wild adventure of God's will. Now, go even deeper with Bear's best-selling book, Deep in the Wave, A Surfing Guide to the Soul. In story after story, Bear takes us along as he paddles deep, surfing alongside whales and dolphins and avoiding killer sharks. Bear shares his experiences of the ocean in an intimate and exciting way. We share in his pain, healing through God, and the joy of finding that deep, intimate relationship with Him. As the story unfolds, you'll see how surfing has become the metaphor for the journey toward intimacy with God. Deep in the Wave, a surfing guide to the soul, will stir your own desire to go deeper into your faith. 
Order it today at deepadventure.com for your own faith journey or for someone who needs to go deeper. Deep in the Wave, A Surfing Guide to the Soul by Bear Wozniak. Available at deepadventure.com. Back to Paradise and Deep Adventure Radio. Aloha, this is Bear Wozniak with Deep Adventure Radio. And we call it Deep Adventure for a reason. That's because we believe when you abandon yourself to the wildness of God's will, you can expect that you're going to have an adventure. And the other reason we call it Deep Adventure is because we like to go deep. I really can't think of anybody I could have on the show where we could go any deeper. Uh, This gentleman has had a tremendous impact on my life. He's caused me to read books and goes directions with my mind that I I just never thought I would go to. We have Professor Peter Kraft from Boston College and also uh, at King's College in the Empire State Building in New York. And uh, really the only reason why I have Dr. Kraft on is not because he's written over 70 books not because he's, he's a sought-after speaker, not because he can explain uh, philosophy from Socrates all the way through to, to phenomenology and, and, and uh, St. John Paul II, but because he's a surfer. And uh, so I'm calling from Honolulu, and we have Dr. Kraft. And uh, Dr. Kraft, you're in, are you in Boston right now? Yes, the hub of the universe. Well, we want to know, <laughs> know your surf report. What's a surf like there? It's flat, as usual. We have surf one out of ten days. You poor people in Honolulu don't appreciate things. You have surf almost every day. Yeah, well, you know, we suffer for Jesus here, too, because sometimes, you know, the trade winds are blowing 15 miles an hour instead of 10 miles an hour. It's, it can be tough. It can be tough on us here. Well, we have to expect martyrdom. <laughs> but tell me, how, how did you uh, get—and by the way, I have a great respect for body surfers and boogie boarders. Here in Hawaii, those guys really charge. And, and this has been, you, you, when did you really fall in love with the ocean? When did you begin to uh, when I become was a, kid, a surfer? I grew up in New Jersey. We went to the Jersey Shore every summer. My father was a swimmer. Uh, that was before George Morey invented one of the greatest inventions in the history of Western civilization, the boogie board, which made everybody a surfer. So uh, I learned body surfing in uh, New Jersey. And, and, and you know, I, I, I started out body surfing. And it's right, you know, when you surf on a surfboard, it's a different feeling. When you're actually body surfing, you're 86% salt water. You actually become part of the wave. You actually call yeah, it waving. Yeah, it's much more mystical. Don't you call it waving more than you call it surfing? That's a good point, yeah. Uh, I, it, it, this, is, this is probably uh, envy and resentment, but the uh, great athletic surfers who uh, stand up on long boards or short boards and make them do impossible things, always strike me as circus performers, you know, like people who stand up on elephants. It's, it's a remarkable thing, but, uh, but you're the boss, and it is merely uh, your instrument. But when you're part of the water, uh, it's not your instrument, and you're not the boss. You're just it. You know, I have the same philosophy as you. Even, even though I tandem surf, I lift a woman over my head when I surf, everyone kind of laughs at me because I'm not the guy that wants to do hard cutbacks. I don't want to be a, a nervous. I call it a circus too. I want to. I I like to just become one with the wave as much as I can, just yeah, to go soul with its surfing. Flow. Soul surfing, yeah. And so that became a that became a big part of your, of your just your your being and even your even your walk with the Lord. Yep. So you you uh, you actually yeah. one of the early indications of uh, 
the fact that I would become a Catholic was one summer uh, the waves were flat on New Jersey, so I had nothing to do. So I bought this book in a bookstore that I didn't understand at all, St. John of the Cross, The Ascent of Mount Carmel. As a young evangelical Protestant, I had never read any of the Catholic saints, and I read it and it just blew me away. I didn't understand it, but I knew it was true. So I just filed that in the back of my line for later. Well, you know, I, I at that time in my life, I guess I was, in, I think it was around 73, I experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and his book, Dark Night of the Soul, came across my, uh, I actually still have that same book. And I remember... Uh, and he, you know, great Spanish poet, still one of the considered one of the great poets by even non-Christian uh, uh, people in Spain. Yep. But I remember reading that and thinking, "Oh my gosh, I'm so fortunate! I got to skip that step because I thought, you know, I've been baptized in the Spirit, I had this great, wonderful experience of the infusion of God's grace and love. But I find it's out like, you, it's like <laughs> somebody from from Iowa or Kansas suddenly seeing a real mountain. Yes. And suddenly, but, but what happened is after the experience that baptism in the Spirit, I realized there are no shortcuts with God. You still do go through all those different seasons. Well, what brought you to, so that book began to open up great new vistas for you. Well, not directly. There were other things. When I was about 8 or 10 years old, we lived in New Jersey. Uh, my parents and I toured New York City a lot. I'd never been to the cathedral before. They took me to St. Patrick's Cathedral. I was absolutely stunned. I turned to my father, who was a, an elder in the church and a very good man, and he always answered every question very completely. And I said, hey, Dad, this is a Catholic church, isn't it? Yes, it is, he said. Catholics are wrong, aren't they? Yes, they're very wrong. Then how can their churches be so beautiful? And he had no answer. I said, hmm, that's interesting. Oh, another thing to file away in the back of my mind. Well, it became but the one... real search came in college yeah. when I read the Church Fathers trying to prove to myself that Jesus founded a Protestant church that gradually went bad, that is, Catholic in the Middle Ages. And you know the rest of the story, how Catholic the Church Fathers are. Uh, I know for me it was when I read Justin Martyr's description of the Epiclesis. Yeah, yeah, it's the Mass. <laughs> yeah. It's so beautiful to be Catholic. The thing I love about the Catholic Church, too, is that we never left a reason behind like the two mm -hmm. wings of the eagle, faith and reason. Well, that's a very basic principle that divides Catholics from a lot of Protestants, namely that grace perfects nature rather than bypasses it. And natural reason and free will and human effort and good works, all of that is not opposed to divine action or divine grace, but perfected by it. God turns it not off but on. I just love the way—I just love—you— Peter, you have no idea how many hours I've spent listening to your lectures. You have such a beautiful way of just making it so precise. But in, you know, in a real way, the Catholic Church saved philosophy. The Neoplatonists were kind of going off in a little bit of a uh, yep. misdirection, and, and Augustine kind of redirected that. And Augustine is amazing. He sails through all these pagan philosophers and almost infallibly distinguishes what's orthodox and usable by Christians and what's not. And, and then, and, and I know that um, I, I didn't know until I started uh, listening to your lectures and reading your books that I had to go study Socrates, Aristotle, and Plato. I mean, w w didn't some of the early church fathers actually refer to Socrates as a saint, or was it Aristotle? Because Socrates really died for his belief that there is one God. Yeah, Justin Martyr said Socrates was really a Christian because he knew and served and died for the Logos. He didn't know the incarnate name of Jesus, but he certainly knew the 
the mind of God, the Logos. And against I all think odds. It was Erasmus who said, St. Socrates, pray for us. So beautiful. And you know, uh, you know, and Socrates, you know, that was in a, the, really the only, I believe, culture that really believed there was only one true God was the Hebrew culture. Every other culture in the world basically had a pantheon of, of gods. Yeah, Socrates was, was a maverick there. In fact, he lost his life because he couldn't officially and publicly profess belief in the many gods of the, of the Greek state. So and, he died for his monotheism. He was a martyr. Yeah. And, and, you know, in his sumum bonum, I think that's the way you say it. I try to yeah. try to imitate you. Uh, he said that, you know, th- what makes a man happy is the, is, the, is the pursuit of virtue, and so therefore nothing bad can really happen to a good man. Something yeah. Like, if, it, if, if virtue is interpreted simply as human effort, that's not sufficient. But I think Socrates meant something deeper and wiser by virtue. Virtue for him was a kind of participation in the divine nature. You know, and Paul took it a little bit further because he defined the four basic virtues uh, of, I think it's justice, wisdom, self-mastery, mm-hmm. as I would say. Um, yeah, and prudence. ever since, everybody copies that, yep. But, then, but I think Paul saw that, that, that chink in the armor, you know, because of what, oh, you know, miserable man that I am, I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I want yeah. to do. He saw his original sin in his fallen nature, and so he added, I guess, faith, hope, and love, which is what you yeah. said— kind of Socrates saw that participation, you know, with, with, with God. Augustine put it beautifully in the Confessions. He says, Plato showed me the, the end, but not the way. He showed me the summum bonum, the meaning of life, which is to be like God. But he couldn't get me there. And so what gets us there? Jesus. And how does that happen? The bridge that touches both, both uh, banks of the river. Beautiful. And how, tell us that you, so you came to, tell us more about that point, how you came to that bank of the river and you crossed over. Well, uh, I was always a Christian. I learned who Jesus was uh, from uh, Protestant evangelicalism. Uh, when I became a Catholic, it was the complete gospel. It's like when a Jew becomes a Christian, he says, now I'm going to complete a Jew. So as a Catholic, I'm more evangelical than I was as a Protestant. How did you come to the experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, uh, that's a strange story. I had heard that this sort of thing was going on, which of course went on in the New Testament too, and in the early church, but I had thought that it was a kind of a strange left-field phenomenon. So I visited a prayer meeting, and I said to myself, this is not my style. I like formal stuff and intellectual stuff and high mass and Gregorian chant and all of that, and these people just let their hair down, and they're spontaneous, and that's nice, but it's not for me. But I was very impressed. Uh, There was the same reality there that I found in the profound and intellectual mysticism of St. John of the Cross, and I realized that I had to be humble enough to, to ask for it, and there's the last part of the gospel, the, the, the capstone, the Holy Spirit, the one Jesus promised us when he when he left and he said it's better for you that i have the holy that you have the holy spirit than that you just have me so really this baptism of the holy spirit thing was the same motive as my motive for moving from protestantism to catholicism i wanted it all the complete gospel amen and you and so you 
when you went to the prayer meetings, did you, I know back in those days we used to have those life in the spirit seminars or did mm-hmm. you just, was it just like, please pray for me or how did that go about happening, that experience? And what did you experience? Yeah, I, I was kind of skeptical and uh, I prayed to God, you know, I'm skeptical of all this stuff and you know me, so uh, I'm hard-headed, so if you're going to convince me, you've got to convince me by something like a miracle. So I did indeed uh, witness uh, a real miracle. And even then, I resisted. I said, you know, God, this isn't for me. And he says, yeah, well, tough nougats, Charlie. It's for you. I'm, I'm for you. What was the miracle that you witnessed? Uh, a man who was a lifelong stutterer was uh, was testifying that God was going to heal him. And I was just sitting there silently. Nobody knew what I was thinking. And I prayed, okay, God, if you want to convince me, heal this man right now. And before he says another word, after I say amen, uh, make him stop stuttering for about five minutes. And he did. How beautiful. And, and you know what? It, it has to be that God can, uh, God can affect his creation. Of course. If he's, if he's God and he can bang out the big bang, he can certainly bang out a lot of little bangs. He didn't just wind up the clock and say, and let the universe run. I don't understand why some people think that there's a God, but he can't do miracles. I just love the way you make it so simple. And then and then you had this experience, I guess, of being prayed with. What was there? Everyone has it. Well, I asked that uh, man who was the uh, leader of the seminar, I said, uh, how many people have you prayed with for the baptism of the Spirit? And he said, oh, about 200. I said, oh, uh, and what percentage uh, received uh, the Spirit and received the baptism of the Spirit and the charismatic gifts? Could you give me an estimate? He said, oh, yeah, 100%. God fulfills all his promises. Isn't that beautiful? It is true. You know, my mother, when she, she kind of drugged me along to the first charismatic prayer meeting I went to, and uh, she said, if you come, I'll, you know, there's a, I'll buy you a new pair of blue jeans. I was in college. I desperately needed some new blue jeans. And I, okay. And I said, well, and she goes, by the way, there's a couple of cute girls there. So I, so, I, so I showed up. But I remember there was a Notre Dame graduate there. There was a rocket scientist there. There was a couple nuns and a priest, so I felt like, like, okay, these people aren't knuckleheads, you know, there's something mm-hmm. real here. But I remember when my, my mother uh, would cry in these meetings, and then when she finally went to get prayed over, she didn't feel anything. And she thought, oh, I'm the first person in history where the Holy Spirit rejected her. But it's not really all about feelings, is it? No, it's not. It just, uh, it's just an experience of, of faith and trust, but something in her life totally did change that day. Tell us about this one really mysterious gift, you know, uh, the gift of tongues. It's not that mysterious. It's simply a a prayer gift, usually for yourself as an individual, sometimes for the community, especially if there's interpretation. But uh, the purpose of it is very clear. Our intellect gets in the way. Our concepts are so weak, and they're like, uh, oh, windows through which we try to see the light, but the windows are dirty. So this is like opening the windows. There are no windows, no words, no intellectual meaning. Uh, but you act, you pray, you, you say something, and you just trust that the Holy Spirit uh, invents the words and the meanings. So it's an act of trust. And so as you pray in the Spirit, you really are praying. Uh, the Holy Spirit is praying through you. But it is an act of yes. humility. In a sense, it's like an extended, your will be done and your mind be done. And it's what... Mary said, uh, let it be done to me according to your word. 
She doesn't say much, not many words, but all the words that God spoke through her are immense. You know what I find myself doing when I listen to you? I lean in. Even when I'm just walking on the beach listening to your lectures, my jaw kind of drops open, you know, that open mouth breathing people do when they're not very smart. And I just listen well, to everything you Well, if you do that on so. a surfboard too much, you'll pearl. <laughs> well, it's, it's so, so wonderful. I just can't believe how, what a blessing it is to have. We have Dr. Dr. Peter Kraft with us. We've already flown by our first segment. He's the professor at Boston College of Philosophy. Uh, and also teaches at uh, King's College in the Empire State Building in New York, where I believe I put my wife in a tandem surfing lift at the top of that one day in a very cold, you know, winter. Uh, we're going to be right back and with more Deep Adventure Radio. We're going to go deep with Do- Dr. Peter Kraft. Can you tell us your website before we take the break? Uh, it's just peterkraft.com. The official website of Peter Kraft. It is a beautiful... A sandy a shoreline there, and then all these over 70 books that he's written. We'll be right, right back with more Deep Adventure Radio. Deep Adventure Radio, going deeper into the heart of God. On Saturday morning, don't miss the Catholic Business Hour with your host, Dick Lyles, focusing on careers and business with a Catholic perspective. Hi, I'm Dick Lyles. Are you dealing with an unexpected job change? Do you need to reevaluate your business or business strategy? Maybe you don't know how to solve a problem at work or how to deal with a difficult colleague. Well, let's talk about it, all from a Catholic perspective. The Catholic Business Hour, Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. You're listening to Deep Adventure Radio with Bear Wozniak, the boldest hour of radio in the history of the world. Be courageous and take your relationship with God to the next level. Check out our website at deepadventure.com. You can sign up for fellow adventurer Bear's weekly email. Go deeper in faith with Deep Virtue Blog. Order Bear's book, Deep in the Wave, A Surfing Guide to the Soul. And follow Bear as he takes you on a radical adventure through calm tides, monster waves, and the powerful presence of God. At deepadventure.com, you can journey with Bear on his travels, find out how to bring him to your parish or men's conference, and accept the challenge of an intimate relationship with God. Tackle the deepest part of yourself by signing up for our Deep Adventure Quest retreats. The most radical thing you can do is abandon yourself to the wild adventure of God's will. Find out more at deepadventure.com. I might have gone to church, you know, at Christmas time, gradually quit going. It's not as scary as I thought it was. <laughs> it's a much more warm and open place, and God really is about love. It's not about the rules and the things that I remember as a young child. It really is about the love that God has for each one of us that's so um, deep and wonderful. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org. Deep Virtue with Bear Wozniak. Aloha, this is Bear Wozniak coming to you from Waikiki Beach with another Deep Virtue segment. Uh, I'm also the author of a best-selling book called Deep in the Wave, A Surfing Guide to the Soul. Uh, It's a book that's full of adventure, uh, surfing and otherwise, as well as uh, just the call to abandon ourselves to the wildness of the adventure of God's will. It's a great book to give to people who wouldn't normally pick up a book about the Bible. And, of course, it's available on Nook and Kindle and Audible, so I'd love for you to check out that book. 
Last week, I was on the set of Hawaii Five-O. I got to guest star on one of their episodes, and I played the role of a captain. We had uh, like six boats out there filming this, and one of the uh, co-stars, a young girl, was seasick. And she kept looking down and going inside the cabin and being knocked around. She really wasn't going to do too well. And the rest of the crew really didn't seem to know how to handle it. So I told her, you need to come out on the boat and look to the horizon. Look, look beyond, uh, look to the furthest horizon, and then you won't get so seasick. And this is kind of what happens in our lives. I think sometimes when we deal with uh, problems in our lives, we start focusing on the problems instead of on the horizon. I love that, that scene uh, in Pirates of the Caribbean where... Uh, Jack Sparrow says at the very end, now bring me that horizon. We need to look to the horizon. When Peter got out of the boat and started walking, he was doing fine until he looked around and saw he was walking on water. When he kept his eyes on Jesus, who is the answer to everything in our lives, he was fine. But when he started looking around, you go, oh my gosh, he started to sink. I can just hear Jesus saying, how you doing, Peter? And he probably said, well, pretty good under the circumstances. Jesus probably said, well, what are you doing under there? So we don't want to be under our circumstances. We don't want to focus on our problems. What we want to do is focus on our solution and give praise and glory to Jesus in all things and ask him for his wisdom and for his help and his guidance. This is Bear Wozniak with DeepAdventureMinistries.com. Aloha. Deep Virtue with Bear Wozniak. Find out more at DeepAdventure.com. To Deep Adventure Radio with Bear Wozniak, suffering in paradise for you. Aloha, welcome back to Deep Adventure Radio. We have one of my heroes of the faith. I'm sure he hates hearing me say that, but we have Peter Kraft here, um, professor of philosophy uh, from Boston College, uh, uh, author of over 70 books. And I was just saying, uh, you know, just like reading Augustine or trying to keep up with Aquinas, Professor uh, Kraft is such a, has written so many books, and every one of them is so wonderful that I can't, by the time I finish one, he's got his next book out. Let me, let me ask you one question before we go back to the subject uh, that we were talking about. Yeah. Why would someone who's a Christian want to study philosophy? That's a funny question. Uh, philosophy is the love of wisdom, and Christ is wisdom incarnate. So being a Christian and being a philosopher are almost the same thing. So beautiful. Well, you know, I was thinking this, uh, Professor, you know how uh, in Plato's Republic, that always kind of confused me. I loved him, but I didn't really get his solution with the, with the Republic. But one of the things he said is there should be a class, I think, you know, you got to fix this for me, but kind of a class of rulers that were philosophers that weren't paid. I don't even think they would be married. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I look at that, wait a minute, that's kind of like the priesthood. Yeah. You know, there, it, it's very similar. It ended up being very, very similar. But the difference in Christianity is that we are all philosophers. It's not a class system. Plato had a very good psychology. Uh, in the soul, you have to have a kind of a hierarchy. Reason and will have to rule the passions and rule the body. But uh, that doesn't translate into politics. There can't be a, a class of superior rulers, and then the rest of the people are not supposed to think for themselves. That doesn't work. Yeah, and that's kind of where it kind of fell apart for me. Back in college, Professor, uh, I had been raised a cradle Catholic. I, had, I was the person who got all the little cards the nuns would give away because I always knew my catechism. But I didn't really know God. I just really couldn't find my way to him. And I always saw God as someone who was like a remote father, someone who maybe sent child support checks but didn't care enough to really... <laughs> Hold me. Yeah. And then I went and I received this, uh, you know, the baptism of the Spirit. But prior to that, 
you know, I, I tried out, I, you know, got, that's when I got into my martial arts days, mostly because I wanted to be like Grasshopper, you know, and learn the Eastern religion. I didn't find my solutions there. And then I took a philosophy class at Baylor. There was like a dozen of us in this, one of these beautiful rooms, you know, like stacked to the ceilings with these beautiful books. You know how books smell so wonderful. And we went through all these philosophies. I don't believe we touched on Aquinas or Augustine. But every one of them that I followed, you know, I think Plato disappointed me when I started reading his solution. I, I just couldn't find, um, couldn't find the solution. I kind of come to my end of myself. And I've been a kind of, I've been a, you know, as righteous as I could be. I didn't drink. I, you know, wasn't having sex. I was just trying to live a good life. But I was kind of the point where it was almost like, why not just do sex, drug, and rock and roll? Because I couldn't get through to God. And that, fortunately, that's when I found the, the Jesus and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And we were talking earlier about tongues. One of the things that I discovered is early on I was leading worship. This was ended up being in Las Cruces, New Mexico for a while. And I used to lead the worship there. And over half of the people at the prayer meeting were Hispanic. And I found that when they prayed in their native tongue, uh, that it was they were so much more free. It was so much more easy. It was so much more heartfelt. And it was so beautiful. And then the Lord just kind of showed, I, showed me that you know it's totally illogical not to pray in tongue because you should be praying, you should be speaking in your native tongue. And if you're a Christian, you're born again, your citizenship is in heaven, it's totally illogical that you don't pray in your native tongue. And of course, it's more natural and beautiful and flows. Well, the church is a wonderfully big place, and God has given us a, a, a great array of tools and weapons, and to refuse to use any one of them is silly. To pray in your native language is natural. To pray in uh, the tongues of, of, of angels, if, if uh, a prayer language is that, is, is wonderful. To pray in whatever language God gives you is wonderful. If you understand Latin, to go to the Latin Mass and pray in Latin is, is wonderful. It's not an either-or, it's a both-and. I love that. And and for us as Christians, our heavenly language is our native tongue. You know, it's yeah. it's the most natural. And yeah, I know, I know, Peter, I know I got to go learn Latin now. I went and got my Rosetta Stone, but I'm sure it's not going to give me the ancient, form, the, the right form. But, I, you know, I became an altar boy, and the moment I became an altar boy, they switched the mass to uh, to English. So Well, you know. <laughs> Yeah, too bad. But it, it, it's all good. You don't have to be an expert in it. You just have to love it to appreciate it. But you know, the beauty of it is, is in the Catholic Church, you can't plum. You know, you cannot plumb the depth of the of the of the teaching that's available. It's to like you. the ocean. Tell me what you mean by that. Well, uh, a pool is small and controllable, and you can feel the bottom and the water is pretty transparent, and it's quiet. But the ocean is enormous and unpredictable and immense, and it comes in waves, and it's like having a, a trillion-ton grandmother in your backyard living with you all the time. And that's what it's like being a Catholic. There's, such, there's so much depth, and, and you, you can never plumb. You know, the abyss of the ocean, it's spoken of again and again and again in, in Scripture. That's, that's the thing almost every person who becomes a surfer says is the big thrill, the, the sheer power of it, that I have become... Uh, a, a part of this most powerful thing in the world. You, you never experience greater power than, than the ocean. And then you relate that to your relationship with God. Yeah. He's, well, I think, I, I, I hope in heaven I'll be able to surf on God <laughs> and feel that power of which the power of anything physical, even the ocean, is only a, a, a tiny and, and weak image. You know, my son Jeremiah, love him so much. He loves the Lord. We used to train a lot to get ready for big waves. And I used to think I rode big waves, like maybe 24 foot or something. But about six years ago, he rode a 70 foot wave. Holy Toledo. And 
uh, it forever changed him. It imparted something to him that it never, he never was the same person after that. And it's not like he had, you know, it's not like he had to go find more big, a bigger, better wave. It was almost like when Aquinas, you know, had that experience in heaven and he said his writings, you know, he couldn't even say what he wanted to say anymore. Yeah, it's only straw now, yeah. And, and, so, and so our walk with Jesus is like that. When we, when we ex- experience the power of the Holy Spirit like that in our lives, it forever changes you. And even if you don't experience it in a conscious or emotional way, you know, you know for sure that that's what he is. He's not, he's not a little God. There's a knowing. There's a knowing. Yeah. It's just a knowing. And, you know, the, I used to, when, you know, there's a, I used to almost like feel bad that I was, would be studying because I just thought I should be praying more. And then I learned, and, I, and of course we should be praying. <laughs> I try to pray at least an hour. I don't have to try. I can hardly wait to have my hour time with the Lord. But there is something that people forget. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, strength, and mind. And mind. Mm-hmm. Well, that too is not an either-or, but a both-and. I mean, if you mean your morning offering, if you give to God all your prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day, one of those works is your intellectual work. So that becomes a prayer, just as your work becomes a prayer. It's an act of devotion yep. to, to, spend time, to spend time like that. Tell me, tell me um, a little bit about I'd like to. I, I I've fallen in love with Thomas Aquinas. Good. And you and you did a beautiful job of helping us uh, understand him a little bit. Well, you will like a book that I'm coming out with in a few months. It's an anthology of Aquinas's practical spiritual wisdom. The Summa of the Summa is an anthology of his philosophical wisdom. A lot of people said, "Hey, you forgot the theology and the religion." So I read the whole four thousand page Summa Theologica from cover to cover for the first time in my life, and that took about two years. And I called the 350 or so uh, most important passages and commented on them. But Aquinas is not just an intellectual. He's a, a great spiritual master, and he's wonderfully practical. Well, you can sense in his writings just a love for God. Yeah, so much so that, in a sense, that's, that's all he cared about. You know, shortly before he died, uh, his uh, confessor, Brother Reginald, found him in the middle of the night on the floor of the chapel, uh, conversing with Christ on the crucifix. And the voice of Christ said, My son Thomas, you have written very well of me. What will you have as your reward? And Thomas's answer, I think, is absolutely perfect. Uh, only yourself, Lord. Yeah, and that's what the, you know, when we have a, a love for wisdom and a love for the Word of God, uh, it, is, it is just a love to know. There's a knowing. I mean, like uh, in the Theology of the Body by John Paul II, you know, the, the knowing, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, the biblical word no is used uh, uh, synonymous with sexual intercourse. You know by experience. It's not just by concept. I love this. I'm sorry. I just, my jaw just dropped again. So our love for God is, isn't just a, a, something in our brain. And some people uh, really uh, struggle with that uh, in, in this day and age. They, 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 think, it's, they think it's just a, a head trip. We're going to be back in a moment with more of Dr. Peter Kraft. But I want to say one thing. The Catholic Church, I think, is, is, is in a perfect position now uh, to reach those people that are out there right now who have gotten involved in the new atheism. When you discover that the emperor isn't wearing any clothes and you're not quite ready to really accept the word of God yet as revelation from God, come to the Catholic Church and let us reason together like God said. Though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Come and, come and listen. Uh, to Go to Peter Crave's website. Uh, PeterCraft.com, K-R-E-E-F-T, and expose yourself to just philosophy 
to give yourself the foundation so you can take a jump and take a little bit of leap of faith. We have Dr. Peter Craithworth, one of my heroes. Uh, we'll be right back with more Deep Adventure Radio. This is Bear Wasman. Deep Adventure Radio, going deeper into the heart of God. What do all these have in common? A former agnostic, a fallen away Catholic, and a once upon a time Protestant. Find out next time on The Journey Home. Marcus Grodi invites pilgrims from all walks of life to share how they made it home to the Catholic Church. The Journey Home, only on EWTN. The Journey Home is seen and heard around the world on EWTN. For dates and times in your area, log on to EWTN.com. Deep Adventure Radio has challenged you to accept the wild adventure of God's will. Now, go even deeper with Bear's best-selling book, Deep in the Wave, A Surfing Guide to the Soul. In story after story, Bear takes us along as he paddles deep, surfing alongside whales and dolphins and avoiding killer sharks. Bear shares his experiences of the ocean in an intimate and exciting way. We share in his pain, healing through God, and the joy of finding that deep, intimate relationship with him. As the story unfolds, you'll see how surfing has become the metaphor for the journey toward intimacy with God. Deep in the Wave, a surfing guide to the soul, will stir your own desire to go deeper into your faith. Order it today at deepadventure.com for your own faith journey or for someone who needs to go deeper. Deep in the Wave, a surfing guide to the soul by Bear Wozniak. Available at deepadventure.com. Hi, my name is Ed Wickey, and I'm with Holy Name of Jesus Live for More Men's Discipleship Ministry. And when I'm not watching turtles hatching, I'm listening to Deep Adventure Radio with Bear Wozniak. EWTN Radio is drawing people of all races, nations, and walks of life to the life of Christ. My father has a physical disability. Because of that, he cannot always make it to the Mass. Thanks to EWTN's airing the daily mass, he's right there following along. With satellite radio, I can listen to any show on EWTN's Catholic programming. EWTN, truly the global Catholic radio network. up your boards. Let's paddle in for another wave of Deep Adventure Radio. Aloha. Welcome back to Deep Adventure Radio. Uh, this is Bear Wozniak. Uh, we're going deep with Dr. Peter Kraft, Kraft one, of my, one of my heroes in the faith, uh, professor of, at Boston College, philosophy professor, uh, a great, which really means, you know, uh, the love of wisdom, which as Dr. Kraft would say is Jesus's wisdom, which is really just a love for God. Um, and Dr. Kraft uh, has, uh, has spoken a lot about the new atheism. One of the things that Dr. Kraft has is the 20 arguments from reason for the non-existence of God that the um, atheists would, would purport. And the 20 arguments, he adds 15 more arguments to Aquinas' five arguments from reason for why there is a God. But unfortunately, he neglected one. And so I'm going to give that to you. And you're going to be shocked that you didn't have this in your 20 reasons. Mine is the argument from chocolate. And I just believe that if chocolate tastes as good as it does and God gave us taste buds to enjoy it, then there must be a, there must be a God. So I think you... Oh, that's, 
that's similar to an argument that's the favorite of a number of my students. Of the 20, is it 20 or 25? doesn't matter. Of the 20 arguments that I put out in the Handbook of Christian Apologetics, the one that they like the best is the shortest one. It's similar to chocolate. Just substitute the music of Bach for chocolate. If there is the music of Bach, there must be a God. You either, either see that or you don't. You know, I know three ex-atheists who left their atheism because of the music of Bach. They didn't copy each other. They didn't know each other. They all told me at different times, the reason that I believe in God uh, is Bach. Well, and I and I have a great, you know, and I, I, I know I, in my new book I'm writing, uh, Deep Virtue, by the way, and I love your book uh, on the virtue. Uh, what, what What is it called again? It's called the... Uh, uh, Back to Virtue. Back to Virtue. Love that book. Um, but I, I, I mention you in my book, and I do say this is kind of like your argument from beauty, but it's unique. It stands out on its own. I, I rest my case. There's also, I think, uh, the, the, the one of the things, you know, I believe there's there's probably something... Evolution probably has its its role to some degree or another, but um, you know I, I have this argument from uh, tropical fish. When you when you swim in Hanama Bay, it, there's no way that it's the survival of the fittest. It's it's the survival. It's the survival. It's the you know what I mean. God is not a utilitarian or a pragmatist. <laughs> it's it's survival. Yes, it's you a, know one of the yeah, one of the holiest yeah. men I ever met. I asked him when he was very old uh, what he hoped to do in heaven. And he smiled a little smile, and he said, I plan to ask the Almighty for permission to design very strange fish. <laughs> so you get what I'm saying. Uh, yes. Survival of the weirdest. And some, of course, are just <laughs> extremely beautiful. But And you know, you never, you'll never you see a fish you never even saw before. Like, where does that come from? <laughs> it just shows you God has a great sense of humor, you know. So Anybody who denies that God has a great sense of humor never looked an ostrich in the face. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes you have to put your head underground to see him, too, right? You kind of have to hide your head in the sand not to see God. But tell us a little bit about, you know, this new atheism. Uh, it's nothing, nothing. There's really nothing new. They, they, go ahead. Well, it's, it's as you say, uh, they're like ostriches. They don't really look at the, uh, the deepest evidence. They're, they're clever. They're good debaters. But they're not deep. They're, they're shallow. If you want a deep atheist, read... Read Dostoevsky and the Brothers Karamazov. Ivan Karamazov is probably the most sympathetic atheist in human literature, and yet he's a, a figment of the imagination of a great Christian writer, Dostoevsky. Right. Or read Nietzsche or Sartre. Those, those are passionate atheists. And, and they're they draw not... out all the consequences of atheism in life, and they find life almost unlivable. But comfortable atheists, happy atheists, uh, they're shallow. That's a powerful statement. Uh, a comfortable atheist, a happy atheist is shallow because and why do you say that well if somebody says to me you know i've i've looked at this god of yours and i've i've, I've read in the bible and i've talked to christians and i understand what you guys believe i can't believe that it's too good to be true it's crazy it's a fairy tale if they say that to me i'll respect them but if they say well god that's obviously just wishful thinking that's just some silly flimsy idea it's the it's the obvious thing we atheists go deeper I'll say you haven't looked at the evidence, have you? And then they pretend to be because they're the, these these the four horsemen of the non-apocalypse throw out all these fake facts and mis misinformation. Yeah, and there's not a an original argument among them. You you can you can find in their predecessors almost everything they say. 
the difference they're, they're media creations the, the, yeah I agree and the difference is there's no there is no depth they're like the, the the good old atheists of the good old days you know there's they use a lot of rhetoric angry sarcasm and and misinformation but Anton yeah. flew uh, one of the great spokesmen uh, CS Lewis's contemporary of the last century who who whose belief was to his pursuit was to follow truth wherever it would lead him and eventually it yep. led him back to Jesus Christ Follow the argument wherever it leads. Yeah. So, what would if you want to find a, a a good, honest atheist? Read Albert Camus. He is not a happy atheist, and therefore he's an honest one. And one of his characters, Doctor Rue in the plague, is really Camus himself. He's an atheist. He can't believe in God, but he knows that the meaning of life is to be a saint, and he can't figure out how to be a saint without God, and that tortures him. And that was Camus himself. That that's a really good question. In other words, if, how can you be a happy atheist? Because you, you know, you you know that you're going to you die, and then you then you must assume that's the end. I think the only happiest atheist is the devil for a split second after he says, "Okay, I'm out of here. I'm God." But then, of course, he increasingly realizes that he isn't. And he's miserable. He tries to make everybody else miserable too. Exactly. So, so in the, uh, can you give us uh, one thought? Uh, that you would direct uh, someone who's struggling. I think a lot of the millennialists, they're not dumb, as, as dumb as the, uh, the new atheists believe, and they're beginning to realize the emperor doesn't have any clothes. What would be a good direction for them to go to, uh, to, to uh, discover the reality of God? Well, I think your answer, the answer you're looking for is something specific. I'm going to give you something more general. Uh, listen, open your mind, look at all the evidence, seek the truth. Uh, be willing to follow the truth wherever it is, and therefore pray the prayer of the skeptic. God, I don't think you exist, but I'm not sure. So if you do exist, please let me know, because I want to find the truth, whatever it is. And I'm going to say one and thing. If, oh, go ahead. If they really mean that, they'll find it. I believe that. Uh, well, God says, if you seek me, I will let you find me. If you seek me with all your yep. heart, I will let you find me. He also said, draw close to me, and I'll draw close to you. So atheists, it's not just saying, okay, God, if you're there, I'm open to you. If, pursue. Pursue truth. Yeah. Lean into it. With the heart, not just the head, not just the cleverness, but a, a passion. The, bu- the, uh, the, the, um, the desire for, for truth, uh, as Aquinas said, all truth, whether it's scientific truth or philosophical truth, it has to lead us to Jesus. All truth is God's truth, yeah. Because God is Actually, uh, in the next month or two, a book is coming out called Letters to an Atheist, which is a friendly dialogue between a believer and an unbeliever by some guy named Peter Kraft. I've heard of him. And you know what I love about that? That's consistent with what uh, St. Peter said to us. Always be ready for an answer and answer with gentleness and kindness. And when you have the truth, you don't have to use sarcasm. Do you know we're already at the end of our time, uh, Peter Kraft? Uh, it's peterkraft.com. We're at the end of our time. I, uh, thank you so much for being with us on Deep Adventure Radio. Uh, should You're we say, welcome. Thank, thank you for having me there. It was a privilege. I won't let you go unless you say aloha. 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 Okay, we'll be right back with more Deep Adventure Radio. This is Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, and you're listening to Deep Adventure Radio with the one and only Bear Watson. Surf's Up, real and radical ways to live your faith. Hi, this is Daniel the Boone Markham at DanielMarkham.com with this week's episode of Surf's Up. Dreamers with elbow grease. It was my Harley Fat Boy pup tent and sleeping bag that complemented my recent nine-day solo 
2,200-mile ride from Southern California to Farmington, New Mexico, then back home on a southerly route, almost all on secondary highways. Riding solo on secondary roads is the best. No other riders to be concerned about and very little traffic. Just going where the journey takes me. Riding is like being in a movie or a dream. I often dream about my journey with God, where he and I may be going. Riding with my face in the wind is a great time for us to talk and even better time for me to listen to God. Made in the image of God, all humans are wired to be dreamers. These aren't hopers, but dreamers. These are people who will stop at nothing less than to transform their world, whether their world be as small as their family or larger than the earth itself. Dreamers imagine the impossible as possible. God dreamers move beyond the dream, the vision. They do something about it, relentlessly so, often compelled by the unseen creative mind and hand of God. History is full of such dreamers who God used to change the world, the likes of the apostles and people like St. Francis and St. John Bosco. God chose to use flawed human beings, but flawed human beings with motivation, vision, passion, and a whole lot of elbow grease. After God gives us a dream, he calls us to work. It's tough work, but it's the preeminent work. The most rewarding work is for man on behalf of God. Here's a news flash. God is always on the move. Get tight with him and hitch a ride at the local soup kitchen, the food bank, or building homes for the homeless. This is Daniel DeBoon Markham at DanielMarkham.com on a journey a few miles this side of heaven. Surf's up, go deep, or go home. Now, back to Paradise and Deep Adventure Radio. Aloha. Welcome back to Deep Adventure Radio. That was one of my favorite hours I've had on my show. and We've had so many great guests, but to have Dr. Peter Kraft here, what a blessing. And we want to thank you for listening to our show, and we want you to become more and more a part of our show. You can go to our website, deepadventure.com. We have a little thing that will pop up there that says, you know, leave a voice message. And we can air your, your comment or your questions uh, that you leave there on our radio show. So we'd love for you to participate. We also are bringing up uh, more and more things. We're going to have a Bears Den uh, store. So we're going to have our Deep Adventure team gear. You can become a team rider. You can become a team sponsor. You can uh, help us out by helping us develop more and more radio stations uh, by becoming a regular contributing partner to our ministry. Uh, a team rider is someone who gives $20 or more a month on a regular basis, and we'll send you a T-shirt with a team, a team rider T-shirt or a baseball hat or a rib tank top for, for you women. And if you're a team sponsor, that's $75 or more a month. And with that, you get an official Hawaiian fish hook, a bone-carved, hand-carved fish hook uh, from one of my great friends here. So go to our website, deepadventure.com. Stay in touch with us. You can, you can find all of our Deep Virtue and Surf's Up postings there too. This is Bear Wozniak. Until next time, may the breath of the Holy Spirit aloha you. Aloha! This is Deep Adventure Radio. Hear archived shows by Bear's book, Deep in the Wave, A Surfing Guide to the Soul, and sign up for our Wave of the Week email at deepadventure.com. For the latest news on Bear and Deep Adventure, visit us on Facebook and share Deep Adventure with your friends. The most radical thing you can do in life is abandon yourself to the wild adventure of God's will. Deep Adventure Radio.